amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. It's Thursday morning, and I don't know about you, but where I am, it's snowing. And apparently, I'm not happy about it. (laughs) I don't know. Should I be? I'm not so sure. It's Thursday, and it's the day before Valentine's Day in 2020. Go figure. There's a lot to talk about. (laughs) I don't even know how to say that. So, looks like some folks are going to have a Valentine and some are not. But later on this evening at 7 p.m., (laughs) hi, Uh, uh, but it's winter. I guess. I guess. (laughs) It's winter. Whatever. But I don't know. Later on this evening, we're going to have, uh, I need to look this up. Uh, I've been trying to get Dr. Kevin Washington to come on our show to talk about epigenetics, right? As you know, Holocaust survivors uh, found that, and their descendants found that they were prone to uh, responding to certain issues in a different way. And they found that most of them traced it back to the science of epigenetics, which helps us to identify that if you've been exposed to violence, whether that violence was tribal or war or whether it was just violence in your home, then you tended to display post-traumatic sensitivities, even if you were one generation removed from it happening or two generations, just seemed to be in the DNA. So this was first discovered, and then after that, it was found to have a variety of applications one of which was in our own experience, right? So I encountered Dr. Washington a few years ago at a conference, and we started talking about it, and I found that it had too many real-life applications. But guess what? He's going to be on our show this evening. So I've been trying to secure him for some time because he's busy. He's an associate professor at a college in down south, and he kind of has been busy. So he texted me at 6 o'clock this morning. Look at me, y'all. You see these things under my eyes? You, you know, it's that 6 o'clock, that time between 6 and 6.30, sometimes I get a real good sleep that makes up for all the toss and turning that I do from 4 o'clock on. And he texted me at 6 o'clock this morning to say he wants to talk about Black Love Day. Look at me. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. I don't even know what Black Love Day is. And I'm like, what is Black Love? Is it different from white love? Is it different from yellow love, red love, green love? Ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're going to talk about that this evening. I guess he's going to expound on it and educate those of us who don't know what that is. Right? So make sure you join me later on this evening. I guess you will all be curious just like I am. What on earth is black love? I don't know. People are just... Anyway. So... Today, I am going to talk about why do black Puerto Ricans identify as white on the census. As you know, I read a lot, and I come across stories that 
I find interesting. Like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you all read on the New York Times or the Washington Post and Forbes and Bloomberg News and CNBC and MSNBC? I don't just follow what the trending topics are because those you can see. You see what I mean? Those you can read through. But I tend to just cover through it to look at stories that just jump off the page at me kind of thing. And when I saw the story, I was like, huh? I can't believe we're having this conversation in this day and age. But interested me and piqued my interest. So I took a dive into it. So I wanted to share with you this morning what I found. Uh, recently, I was having a discussion with a, a prominent member of the community here in Metro Detroit. And we were talking about race relations, right? And he 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 expounded on his experiences as a white man and what he saw from his perspective. And I was intrigued by what he saw. You know, he's a senior person, senior member of our community, and he's well-respected and known. And I wanted to hear what he had to say because he has lived through it all, right? And he said something that kind of grabbed me. And he said he didn't realize He's aware, obviously, of black and white issues because he runs an organization. But he said he didn't realize how different that could have been. And I don't want to offend anybody or, or trigger, have triggers for anyone. But he said he did, and he, he, did, he had the sensitivity, you know, to discuss it with me, recognizing, I guess, that I wouldn't have been triggered, right? But he said this. But I don't want to trigger anything in anybody, so I'm setting you up from now. But he did say this. He said, I recognize that I am treated different because of the color of my skin when I get behind the wheel of my car and I drive into West Bloomfield. He said, when I drive into West Bloomfield, I am relaxed. I can just drive because I'll never get pulled over. I'll never be flashed. But he said, too many members of his organization complain to him that when they drive in West Bloomfield, even when they live in West Bloomfield, they are flashed and they have to worry about how they drive. And he said to me, it's 70 years later. He said, I'm almost 80 and it's still happening. And he said, right now, Harriet, I can go out there, get in my car and I drive. He said, I never have to worry about that. But he said, someone who doesn't have my skin color has to worry about that. And I couldn't say anything. You know, it's one of those moments that were just filled with truth and transparency that all you could do really is just acknowledge that it is what it is. That's his experience. And he used it to highlight the context in which we were talking about how slavery ended a long time ago, but we're still trying to work through and deal with the after effects of it. And I suppose this is where Puerto Rico have found themselves. For many years in Puerto Rico, people who are dark-skinned, people who are descendants of Africans, right, people who are non-white, have uh, uh, labeled themselves as white on the census. And they probably they did that because they felt that if more Puerto Ricans identified as white, then the nation would be seen, the country would be seen as a white country. This probably stemmed back to 
earlier before America took over Puerto Rico in 1898. We all know that, right? America took over Puerto Rico in 1898 when Spain was leaving Puerto Rico. And America was building its empire slowly. Look at us. Look at us, America, as an empire builder. And so America seized Puerto Rico. And when America took over Puerto Rico, America kind of just ignored that. But the tradition existed before that. Because prior to that, uh, people in Puerto Rico could petition Spain to be labeled as white and they, for a fee. So you could pay a fee to Spain, to the, who were the colonial masters of Puerto Rico prior to 1898, and be labeled as white. Go figure. So this tradition continued, and in the 1960s, uh, what happened in Puerto Rico was that census takers decide, could decide how to label people. That was probably more accurate, because they're going to label you as you appear to be, right? So census takers labeled Puerto Ricans, and Puerto Ricans still objected to it. And I want to give you, I'm not blaming them, right? I've never lived in Puerto Rico. So I don't know what it's like to walk around in their skin, live in their environment, and live in their country. But I suspect that the, what's happening in Puerto Rico and this movement now to examine the ways in which you identify racially is something that is taking place throughout Latin America. We see it in Mexico, and it's happening in Chile, where this movement to identify, as you know, in South America, uh, Brazil has the largest population of Africans outside of Africa, right? It has the largest population of descendants of Africans outside of Africa. And for a long time in Brazil and Argentina and Chile and so on, people who were black were treated very badly. People who are black, rather, were treated very badly by the establishment and by the, the laws and by the, the government and the society. So people elected not to be forthcoming about their racial disparities because they didn't want to be treated badly because the examples were not encouraging, right? Many of you are saying, well, how could it be so, could have been so bad in Brazil? Because Pelé, the famous Brazilian soccer player, yeah, but you ever read his story? His story reads just like Jesse James right here. His story reads just like Colin Kaepernick, right? So a lot of what you see happening in Puerto Rico now, especially, and I want to put this in context for you, that now Puerto Ricans are re-examining themselves. It's kind of like a come-to-Jesus moment where they're asking themselves, who am I and who are we? And they're asking themselves within the context of race. And you and I might be saying, why does this matter in 2020? Apparently, race still matters, and it probably is going to matter for a while because by 2044, we now know that the population is going to change. And the demographics, who is a minority, who is a majority, is going to change significantly. So Puerto Ricans are looking at a number of factors that are influencing why they have chosen to now identify as black. One of which is, check this out. Uh, <laughs> you're not going to believe this. After the hurricane that destroyed their country, the current administration kind of didn't help them much, right? And so there are still places in Puerto Rico that are without electricity. Now, for, for those of us in the Caribbean, 
right? And for the rest of the Caribbean, Puerto Rico was the gem. I mean, they, they were exclusive. You couldn't get to Puerto Rico unless you had a U.S. visa because it was an American territory. And Puerto Ricans banded that about as if being an American citizen was equal to being uh, somebody on another planet or equal to being an angel or something. That's kind of shocking to me to see them now disclaiming their heritage and disclaiming a part, a significant part of their heritage. Because now they have hit the reality that the country does not, that, that your colonial masters, America, doesn't see you as white. So after, after the hurricane, they began to realize that there is something wrong with their classification. Sorry, I'm just having the sniffles. I was out late last night and I didn't cover my head when I went out and it's just, it's, it's affecting me today. It's my fault. I should have put on a head. I will put it on today. I bet you it won't happen. Right? And what happened is that, excuse me, um, excuse me, and what happened is that after the what happened after the Trump administration didn't help them to repair their country, all of a sudden, now you're going to identify as black. But here's why. One of the reasons, too, is that they see how blacks are treated on the mainland. But in Latin America, there are some derogatory terms that are used to describe people of darker skin. In Latin America, they use a term that says lighter skin is better than darker skin. Right? And they think it's an insult to be referred to as darker skin. They recognize that due to racial disparities and economic disparities, they were mistreated after the last hurricane. And they think it's an insult to be labeled as black. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right? And now they're, they're coming to this awareness where they recognize that there is a difference to being a slave as opposed to being enslaved. It's kind of foreign to those of us who live in America because we've always been, uh, we've always been aware of the racial disparities that exist. It's our reality. It's a reality here. And the ways in which we have to navigate it in various environments does dictate what happens to us to a large extent. It's what spurred the Black Lives Matter movement because people felt like they were being horribly mistreated when they were pulled over and that they were profiling. This has been going on for a long, long time. This is not new, right? So here in America, the awareness of it is greater. But I'm wondering if people in Puerto Rico lived in a vacuum or (laughs) existed in a space that did not exist because I'm like, where is your awareness? This has been more than 50 years in the making. How come you're just not coming to the idea when you look at your skin, what do you do? So most Puerto Ricans identify themselves, I guess, in the, in, in, in the context of nation of origin as Puerto Rican, but they don't identify themselves as Afro-Latina because it has racial connotations that are negative. Well, let me ask you this. What about the Indians, the original indigenous peoples? Let's not say Indians, right? Let's say indigenous peoples who are found in Brazil, in Chile, some parts and many parts of South America, and in Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Belize, Nicaragua. What about the indigenous peoples in those places? Those people have, the indigenous peoples are native to those settings. 
they have been there and native to those territories and have been there since the beginning of time. They predated the arrival of Europeans and Africans and Asians. So if their skin is darker either by exposure to the sun or by their racial composition, should they be uh, marginalized or should they be disparaged against? I, I, I think people of, of African descent the world over need to get some clarity about who you are. I think you need to stop hiding and stop letting others dictate how you should feel about your own skin. You don't have the power to make me feel bad about being me because there's nothing about me that is bad. So you cannot make me feel bad about me being me. You can't look at me and compare myself to you. And because your race and your national identity or your economic class is different, think that you're a better person than I. It just does not fly with an individual like me, right? And I think everyone needs to come to this point where you say to yourself, what is the conditioning that you have allowed to happen to yourself that you allow someone else to make you feel bad about you? And I think Puerto Rico is at that point where they're asking themselves this question. They're asking themselves, what is it that I have done? What is it about being black? That makes me feel bad. That's just in your own little stupid national context. Because the rest of the world already saw you for what you are. Descendants of Africans and descendants of Europeans. Boom. That's it. If it matters, that's how it matters. What matters is that now that you are here, what are you going to do? Are you going to move the country forward? Are you going to move issues forward? Or are you going to sit back and moan? about something that you had no control over. You know why nobody can make me feel bad about being me? Because guess what? I couldn't change it. I have no control over it. I was predestined to be this way. When they were making me, the people, how I arrived here, I didn't arrive here by an accident. Some people got together and they liked each other enough and they got into bed. Believe it or not, people have been having sex for a long time, right? And they got into bed and here I come. Do you see what I'm saying? So as far as I'm concerned, I didn't have any election or free agency in my imminent arrival in the world. I I didn't choose that. So because I didn't choose that, you can't make me feel bad about it. You can make me feel bad about some of my choices, but you can't make me feel bad about this part of it because I had no choice over it. And I think all of us need to come to that place where we understand and accept that. There's nothing wrong if you're a Puerto Rican and you are dark skin or you are brown skin or you're medium skin tone or whatever varieties of complexions there are. I like to think that we are all part of the human family and that as humans, you go to bed with someone and you really don't know everything that's in their DNA and you can have a child and the child comes out looking vastly different than you thought it would, right? Uh, in uh, Back where I live, back where I come from, they used to call it a jacket. You know what's a jacket? Something that you put on, and if it fits, then that's yours. But if it doesn't fit, that means someone gave you something that is not yours. That's what they used to call a jacket. Y'all looking at me like, you see all these fraternity tests that you see on shows like Maury and 
whatever. That's what they call in my culture. So I'm not making light of their stories, but I'm just saying, I think they need to re-examine their priorities, right? So they have to petition Spain prior to 1898 and pay a fee to be classified as white. Look at me. We're all looking at each other like, so not. I know, what's going on in your mind? I'm, right? And before the 1960 census, census takers did that. So right now, a census is due. Right? What are they going to choose in this year's census? And if, if their petition has been that the reason they did not want to identify as black is because it's, uh, they didn't want their those experiences to align with blacks on the mainland, I'm like, you're late and tardy to the party because blacks on the mainland have been forward thinking and have been marching for some time to make sure that they're viewed as equal. The problem, the thing is this, we human beings like to find ways in which we classify each other. We like to, I like to call it division. We like to find ways in which we divide because division is conquering, right? So what we try to do is to find ways in which I'm different than you, and because I'm different than you this way, then I'm better than you. That's human nature. But here's the one commonality. We're all human. We just look different. I mean, I don't agree with some of the stuff that people eat. Like, you know, they were showing up people in China and stuff, and in, in some parts of Indonesia eat snakes and stuff in an open market. And wild animals who have not been treated for rabies or anything are exposed to humans. I don't agree with everything that people do, but we're all human. Let me put it to you this way. You've all watched Star Trek. Not far-fetched anymore, is it? Not at all. But if you were to watch Star Trek, right? And let's say in today's day, what if we were to be invaded by aliens? Are you going to be worried about what someone else looks like? Or... Let's put it into something that we can all relate to, a weather catastrophe. We've seen uh, meteors fall from the sky. About two years ago, we had a similar experience here in Michigan where a meteor passed through like crazy. It didn't drop. If it had fallen, it would have been terrific, right? So a meteor falls into the sea, and all the islands of the sea are threatened, and all the coastal areas around our country are threatened. Are you going to worry about what someone looks like or are you going to help them? Let me put it to you even more in simple terms. You're driving down the freeway and there is an accident. When someone comes to help you, are you going to ask them if they're black or white? Or are you just going to be happy that a human being, someone came to your rescue? I think that's the context in which we need to examine ourselves and look at why do we continue to perpetuate these myths that marks and distinguishing marks and that distinguishes us from one another. This is a big issue because if this is happening in Puerto Rico, I guarantee you this conversation, though minimized here in the U.S. because it's not our problem, right? We have bigger things to worry about. Here's an election year and people are just going nuts and crazy, right? But I guarantee you that if this is a conversation taking place in Puerto Rico, this is a conversation that is taking place in other parts of Latin America. I know this is a conversation taking place in, in, in Brazil because they've had some racial uprisings because even indigenous peoples have risen up to say, you know something, I'm tired of it. 
um, indigenous peoples have said for centuries they have been overlooked and their natural resources taken and they got nothing out of it. The Amazon is still the Amazon. We want to maintain the Amazon the way it is because it's good for the ecosystem, but the Amazon is also good for uh, European and American companies that are trying to get its natural resources to go make drugs to make a lot of money. So when you hear them say preserve the Amazon, they're not thinking of the ecosystem that is good for the rest of the world, for the planet. Now, they're thinking about how much money is in them, their plants, that they can harvest into drugs to make a killing. Right? But let's look at, <laughs> you are all looking at me like, Harriet, you are crazy. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the reality and the facts. And the facts are that we need to take a look a second look at why some of these things are happening. I don't understand Puerto Rico. I don't understand why you would look at yourself and feel insulted if someone calls you black. You think I get insulted if somebody uh, calls me black? Now, that is not to say they use the N-word. They're not going to have a problem. But you to describe me based on my racial mix. That's not offensive, and I don't think anybody should be offended by that. If using racial epithets and, and words that connote certain ignorances, that's a whole different thing, right? Contextually, that is an insult. But here they're saying that just to be called black is, is an insult. And they had a come-to-Jesus moment, a sort of awareness and an awakening after Hurricane Maria that destroyed their country almost three and a half years ago, in which the current administration just kind of didn't treat it with any sense of urgency. They're like, who are those people? Right? It's crazy. It, it, it really is. I, 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 and I think even in Indonesia, the same thing about lighter skin is better than darker skin. That exists in Indonesia. It exists in, in certain parts of China because China isn't always what they present on TV. There are people who are of racial, ethnic mixtures in China that they don't put on mainstream TV, right? The same thing about lighter skin being darker skin is more of a global issue. It exists in India. It exists in Pakistan. It's in Indonesia. It's in Latin America. It's in the Caribbean. And it's here in the U.S. And it comes from colonialism, where the closer you are to white, is that makes you a better person. Or let's say here in America, you get more advantages. It's more advantageous to you. And it makes, it, it, it's kind of, it's an affront to the person because you don't have any control over it, right? You, you look at folks and people are busy lightening their skin and using all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, why are you putting cancer in your body? Because for it to do stuff like that, it's going to hurt you later. Why? Just for appearance sake? Underneath this, this is just a covering to cover all the tissue and the cells and the capillaries that make us human. Underneath this, we are blood, muscle, and sinew, and we look the same. The same network of cells and bone structure that is in you is in me. I'm still made up of blood, tissue, and sinew. What's different is the way I think that it's influenced by my environment, how I grew up, where I grew up, just like you. And that is the problem that we haven't identified, that the way we think 
is what has the greatest influence over us. It's not what we look like. We need to change that because the world around us is changing, especially here in America. And it's not just us. If you look globally, we, it's the same thing. It's the same phenomenon. They're battling the same thing in the United Kingdom. They're battling the same thing in Spain. They're battling the same thing in France. So it's not just a problem that is happening in America that you can say, oh, well, this is an American problem or this is a Puerto Rican problem. It's everywhere. And I think more of us who are people of color who have made positive impact, we need to start holding our brothers and sisters accountable so you realize we're all in the same boat and we have the same fight. So can I just ask this question of Puerto Ricans? In 2044, when Hispanics and Blacks become the majority in the country by race, what are you all going to do? Is that when you're going to choose to be Black? Is being Black a choice? Is being white a choice? Are we going to make it so you can identify how you feel? Because then what that is doing is strengthening the stereotypes and making it more difficult for people who can't. You remember the conversation around this Rachel Dolezal person? She was born white, right? She was born white. But she chose to identify as black in order to penetrate the NWACP. And nobody thought she was uh, white because she darkened her skin, went to the tanning salon, changed her hair, put on a perm and all kinds of stuff, right? When it was revealed that she was white, you know what she said? She said, what's your problem? I choose to be black. Hello. So most people said, well, that's your privilege. No, it's not. If I choose to identify as, as white, I can if I want to. But what does it profit me to do that? Is it going to give me better loans? That's what people are saying. You get a better interest rate. Is it going to give me more uh, if I apply for jobs? Is it going to push my resume up more? If I apply for a grant, is it going to make it better for me? Any kind of government service, any kind of corporate thing that I have to participate in, if I choose to identify as white, is it going to be better for me? Chances are yes. And hence the reason why people in Puerto Rico feel that they should. It's not their fault why they think so. It's our fault. It's the society's fault. It's a society in which we have exalted one group of people above the other because of skin color. And we continue to perpetuate this myth and continue to make it pervasive that it's better for you if you're white, so much so that a whole island nation determines that it's better for them to identify as white in order to get help from the federal government. That, to me, is the crux of the matter. Until we change the existing philosophy that determines how people are treated based on the color of their skin, until we change that, we're going to continue to have discontent. We're going to continue to see racial and societal infractions because we are not speaking the truth. We're not being human. Somebody once said to me, speak truth to power. I've never really understood what that means, but because it, it, it kind of is a conundrum, but I get what it is saying. Your truth is your power. And if you speak your truth, then you are empowering yourself. The truth of the matter 
is that being black, being white, has nothing to do with the content of your character. That is speaking truth to power. Being black or being white has nothing to do with whether you're a good person or a bad person. Nothing whatsoever. That is truth to power. Being black and being white is not a choice that you should make because you had no election or agency in how you arrived here. That is truth to power. Therefore, we should accept folks as they are and not make people feel as if you should be something else in order for me to accept you into my group. Just recently, I was part of a group of people, and one of the persons who was there, I recognized, had some internalized self-hatred. They continue to put themselves in, 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 in environments where they are made to feel bad about being black. But in their form of self-hatred, the best way they can deal with it is by surrounding themselves with only white folks who continue to make them feel bad by saying, I'm not a bad black person. I do this. I do that. I'm not. That is self-hatred. Stop it. You're damaging yourself. And you're going to need a boatload of therapy to deal with how you view yourself. What are you going to do when you go up to glory one day and you meet God and you realize that God has a face that looks like every human face? What are you going to do? You think the God who created the universe looks like just one group of people or do you think he looks like all humans? Think about that for a second. You know, in, 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 in Christianity, the tradition of Christianity is that Christ, Jesus Christ was portrayed as a white man with blonde hair and blue eyes. No greater lie has ever been told. It denies everything about the birth and origin of Jesus Christ. First of all, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is, is a Jew. Okay. He lived in the Middle East where it was sunny most of the time. How in Dickens' name was he going to be blonde with blue eyes? They used that myth to perpetuate a system of racism and make Christianity look bad because you use that picture that is non-existent and that is not truthful to enslave people. Hallelujah. Say a hallelujah. Right? And it is nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing. Because if the Bible is correct, Jesus being a descendant of Jews, they had nothing to do with European heritage. There were strictly just some people from the Middle East who just were brown, depending on where you go. Really and truly, our exposure to the sun has a lot to do with it. White people get brown the more sun they have. When I lived in Florida, people were brown all the time. When I came to Michigan, I said, these are the whitest folks I've ever seen. Then I realized that contextually, it's where we live. White people in Florida are exposed to the sun, so they were brown. White people in Michigan don't see much of the sun. Right? I was shocked. We pay way too much attention, and it is insignificant. And I think God is getting the last laugh because by... 2044, when this whole thing changes, who's going to get the last laugh? When you realize that you, it's not, it's not, it doesn't matter. It does, and it should not matter, right? We need to, we need to understand that and just accept yourself. If you're from Algeria, okay. If you're from Egypt, okay. 
If you're from Slovenia, okay. Right? If you're from Bosnia, Herzegovina, okay. Right? If you're from Greece, fine. You're from Turkey, fine. You're from Iraq, fine. You're from Chile, fine. You're from Finland, fine. You're from Denmark, okay. You're from Greenland, hey, is it true the glaciers are melting up here? Maybe we should all organize some expeditions. Would you all like us to visit you up there? See what I'm saying? It should not be about the color of your skin determining and affecting a whole island nation. People denying themselves of the richness of their cultural heritage because they're afraid and because society has imposed upon them a responsibility that they had nothing to do with. Why are you making it my responsibility to identify the way that I was born or misidentified because of the way I was born? And I, it had nothing to do with me. I didn't choose my parents. So I didn't choose my grandparents or my great-grandparents. I just happened to be here, just like you. You didn't choose your parents or grandparents. You didn't have any choice in the matter. They just happened to be here. Right? And I think we need to get to that stage where we understand that. And why is this so important now? Because we're getting to an awareness that maybe how we thought about this is wrong. And that we need to change it and adjust it for the people who are remaining. We've got to fix it now. We have a unique opportunity right now to fix it and to make it better. For more information about the story, you can go to the New York Times section on race relations and see why folks in Puerto Rico feel that they should not identify as African-Americans, as descendants of Africans. There's some really touchy uh, stereotypes that are attached to certain names. Like I made a note of some of them, Negra, Mulatto, Moera, Moena, and Triguera that describes people's, uh, the color of your skin and hair texture. Like I've never seen white people sit down and describe other white people by color of their skin or hair texture. It is the craziest thing I have ever heard. I don't want to know how they would describe me. But you know what's the biggest deal? How they feel about me does not matter to me. (laughs) You've got to get to this place in your mind where you don't care what anybody else thinks about you. That you accept that you're a person on the planet and that you have a purpose and you're going to live your life. That is the most liberating thing that you could do for yourself because nothing then anybody says or does can affect you. I walk into environments. I don't adjust my behavior based on people's perception of me. I am me. So I walk into the environment and I anticipate and expect that people are going to treat me with the due respect that I deserve because I'm a human being. I show up. I am treating you with respect. I expect to be treated respectfully. Likewise. Do you see what I'm saying? So I don't walk into an environment with that sort of expectation that I am going to be derided against or mistreated because of my appearance. Hell no. I expect you to treat me with respect because if anything that is about me is that I'm going to be respectful. Do you see what I'm saying? But people don't respond to that. We've been socialized into thinking that we must treat people 
based on the color of their skin. Yesterday, I went to uh, a symposium at Oakland University. And this is not a take on the school itself. It's a take on the society. I couldn't find where I was going because I don't know the school. So you know how that is. You have to ask questions, ask questions, right? And when I walked up to the counter, a young lady was standing there, and she happened to be going in the same direction. And we were, she walked with me. She, you know, kind of directed me because I would have been lost, y'all, because it's a college campus. It's huge. And you don't, if you don't know it, you don't know it. And she was saying she's a freshman, and she still doesn't know most places on the campus, but she has an idea. When we got there, my friend greeted me. The minute she saw my friend, her attitude changed. All along, we were chatting up about the weather, the snow that was coming last night, how it's going to impact kids at school, and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, she saw my friend greet me, and her attitude changed. She tightened up, and my friend looked at her. And I was like, I I knew what it was. I just smiled. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just smiled. Because the way that she just displays how she's been socialized to view people of color. And it seems to me she's coming to a symposium for Black History Month. So you do expect the people who are the presenters are going to be black. It does say so. Show their picture. But why do you have an attitude? It's just socialization. It's how people have been socialized. Right? Was I offended? There was nothing to be offended by because she doesn't even realize herself. She's as much as victimized as I am because her socialization told her to mistreat people of color and that people of color don't matter or whatever else they tell people of color. And so here she comes into an environment where she encounters people and she doesn't have the skills to navigate the environment. She doesn't know what to do. It showed more about her than about me. And this is the crux of the matter. What Puerto Ricans don't realize, that the way they have been socialized to believe or what they've been socialized to believe about the color of their skin, black Puerto Ricans, that is, is not about them, but it's a reflection of the society they live in. It's what the society has told them about themselves. So you can't take responsibility to be defensive and to defend your ethnic makeup Because the society tells you that it is bad because your skin is darker than theirs. No. No. The onus is on them to be accepting that you are as much a part of their society as they should. You accept them as part of your society. They should accept you as part of your society. The onus is on them. The responsibility is theirs. No one of color should ever feel that you ever have to defend your racial composition or your ethnic background. You should never have to feel that you have to stand on a sandbox and defend the race. You should never have to feel that. You should never allow stereotypes, the negative stereotypes, to determine to make you feel as if being you is an insult or a negative mark in society. That is wrong, was wrong, and will continue to be wrong until the end of time. You are a human being placed here. God created human beings. We did not come out of a Big Bang Theory or out of evolution. It's a plan orchestrated by a creator who wanted human beings 
to look like this. He put different people and placed different people in different regions of the earth. People look like the regions. You have the capability to cope with where you live. You can't be so, you know, you, you need to have a certain skin texture to live in an area that is so sunny all the time and that is always heaping past it. Think about that for a second, right? You need to have the skin type that can deal with extreme cold and snow. Think about that for a second, right? So God created people and dropped people in different parts of the planet. Anybody in history or who is alive now who tells you otherwise has been lying to people for generations after generations. And this is the myth of racism that has destroyed people's lives. It has ruined people. It has made people feel less than. It has made people feel as if they're a mistake. It has created violence in certain communities of color because people are reacting to a societal impact that they had nothing to do with. You and I didn't create ourselves. Our ancestors did that. They got together and brought us here. We are here now. Live it out. Deal with it. It's my thing. You don't like it? I don't like it either. Deal with it. If you are objecting to my presence, I object to you objecting to my presence. Who the hell are you? You don't have any more right than me. I am a human being created by the same God who created you. That's the charity. That's what makes us level. Now, we can look at economics and say you have more money, so you have more power. That could be something that's arguable. But this right here, the same God who created you created me. The same set of circumstances that deemed you important enough to be here as a human being deemed me important enough to be here. So get with the program and get over it. I don't have time for you and your foolishness. We need to start looking at each other as if we are our neighbors. We need to start looking at each other with love because I'm telling you, if there is a weather catastrophe that impacts most of this planet, we're going to need each other to survive. Right now, they're warning us that the world is not ready for a biological mistake. We're not ready for a virus. We're screaming, running all over the place, lost our darn mind about coronavirus. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All day. Imagine if we have a weather catastrophe. Imagine if somebody in a lab makes a mistake with a virus that becomes a contagion. You remember Z, whatever the movie was, it wasn't called Generation Z, the movie Z with Brad Pitt. What if something like that were to happen? Do you realize it's going to impact anybody who is human? So why are you making a a distinction between this? Makes sense, does it? Not one bit. I say to Puerto Ricans, I'm sorry for how you feel. But I'm glad you're making strides and taking steps to correct the imbalance and to correct the mistake that made you feel bad about being you. I'm sorry about it, black Puerto Ricans in particular. I'm very sorry about it. But welcome to the human race. Welcome to the awareness that you are a created being created by the same God who made everybody else. That same God created all of us, gave each of us a distinct place to live on the planet, gave each of us a specific set of skill sets to survive where we were planted so that we can continue to perpetuate the human race. 
So I say to you, all, to all of us, we need to quit this color thing. Stop making this distinction because underneath the skin, we're the same. We're made up of capillaries and organs. If you, if today people are doing organ transplants, the same kidney that works in a dark person, in a black person, works in a white person. The kidney doesn't say if you're white, you can only have a white kidney or you can only have a black kidney. If the organs that power the body up are made to function generically, we messed this up a long time ago. My name is Harriet Kamek. This is Down to Earth. Thank you for joining me. For more information on what we do, please go to my website, harrietkamek.com. I welcome you to visit my page on Anchor FM. Join this podcast by being a podcast supporter. Make sure you view our other podcasts on Spotify platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever your favorite podcast is heard. Thank you so much for being a part of my experience this morning. Be blessed. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.